Hey, 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 this is Sing Second Sports. Welcome to the end of year pod. Joining me is Ward Carroll along with Chris Cervello here in our end of year pod. And it ends on a very down note as we are very sad to uh, confirm the announcement and discuss uh, the death of uh, midshipman John Johnson. He was 22 years old just uh, died earlier this week in a very tragic drowning accident in Park City, Utah. It's just, it's a, it's a really hard way to go out of a really hard semester for these mids. And we're going to be joined in the alumni segment by uh, Captain Chris Cassidy, Navy SEAL and astronaut for NASA. And he has some very good advice uh, for mids who are dealing with this a very tragic situation on top of a very, very bad year. Uh, Ward, from your perspective, you've you've lost friends, you've lost classmates, both while you were there and afterwards. What does this do to the morale, particularly on the heel end of finally finishing the semester, finally going home and getting to be home for a month, and now this? Well, this particular death is tragic because of where it happened in a in a very recreational environment. Um, you know, it's been a tough semester. We'd like to think that the mids can go home or on vacation and, and seriously get relaxed. And, and so this the, the tragedy of this particular circumstance is, is made more keen because of where it happened and the circumstances under which it happened. But in general, I remember very distinctly when my first classmate, who was a female, uh, died plebeer when we were home on semester break and she was hit by a car while she was running up in the Pacific Northwest. And it just strikes you that we're not, you know, immortal. And, and there's something about being at the Naval Academy that makes you feel immortal. Uh, you know, it's sort of the root note and sort of the tacit atmosphere around you. And, and this is a huge wake up call. Now, if the deceased was your roommate or in your company or a teammate, then it's even more um, jarring. So I also remember, I think we lost a total, I'm now I'm, I'm kind of, this is kind of a, a, a ballpark figure, but we lost a total of six classmates during our time as midshipmen. Um, and I remember particularly a guy I knew very well, uh, Alan Carmack was killed in a, a VTNA, which was the flying club at that time. Uh, they flew Varga Kachinas, um, and he was killed when the airplane he was flying had a screw come loose and the uh, horizontal stab, he could no longer control it and the airplane crashed. So that happened. We had an aviation mishap when we were mids, you know, and so it just strikes you that life is finite and it's something that midshipmen as future naval officers, particularly if you go aviation, you know, I can list off dozens of of colleagues and classmates who died in aviation mishaps, starting with a guy named Jeff All who died in a T-34 as soon as we got done the flight school. Um, the, the instructor pilot he was flying with became disoriented and, and, and crashed. Um, so, uh, you know, this is a great tragedy for the Naval Academy. We are a family. The community is in mourning. It's a greater tragedy for the class, the company, the roommates. So. It happens, unfortunately, and again, this circumstance makes it even more tragic. 
Yeah, we were joined during Army Navy Week by Mike and Allison Aldhouse, and I'm struck by what they said and what they do. And, you know, as we have a lot of midshipmen who listen to this podcast, thank you very much, number one, for sticking with us this year. But number two, you know, let let us stick with you. Um, as Mike and Allison Aldhouse were saying, they do a lot of monitoring of mids on social media, on Twitter, just looking out for them. Um, you know, it, this is our chance to to say, you know, look out for each other, you know, keep, keep each other in, you know, kind of in the frontal view, uh, in, you know, on social media and, and make sure that your, your friends and your classmates and your shipmates are doing well. Um, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing. The love that Mike and Allison have for midshipmen, uh, all together. And, and we share that love. Um, so if, if anyone out there is struggling and, um, yeah, it, it sounds ridiculous, but our, our DMs are open, um, you know, so always reach out to us. Chris, did you have anything you wanted to add? I share um, many of the same sentiments that uh, that Ward um, conveyed. I, I mean, um, this is, uh, unfortunately, this is part of uh, this profession. Um, and it is particularly sad when that part of the profession uh, begins when you are at the Naval Academy, um, you know, regardless of the, of the situation. So uh, I would double down on the, the community um, aspect of the loss. You and I exchanged notes yesterday that no matter when it happens, you feel a connection to every grad that passes, whether it's in combat or, or whatever the situation is, but you particularly feel it when it's a midshipman at the beginning of their career and still really at the beginning of their adult life. Um, it, it hits you. I mean, because you think of that lost potential, you think of that lost camaraderie with their friends and classmates, as, as Ward mentioned, and, and your, your heart and goes out to the family and friends that, that know that loss, uh, you know, magnified by a thousand. So, um, terrible to, terrible to hear. And, uh, like I said, unfortunately, uh, just another part of this profession that, that we all have to wrap our minds and hearts around. Yeah. We're reminded of it every day, right. Um, you know, whether you're walking through Memorial hall, uh, whether you're running an outer, um, you know, and you're up on hospital point and, and you run by those, you know, those headstones, Christensen, Ludwig, you know, I, 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 they're almost emblazoned. You get around to the bottom end and it's, you know, the, the John McCain and the, um, and Admiral Larson and, you know, whether it's four-star admirals or senators or a midshipman who have, you know, just died this week, they all have a special place in our heart. Um, and, you know, our, our, our hearts go out to Midshipman Johnson's family and, uh, and his company mates and his friends uh, as they go through a very, very difficult time um, here right before the holidays. So uh, on that note, we will uh, take it out. Um, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Captain Chris Cassidy, class of 93 and current NASA astronaut. He just returned from space uh, in late October and has a pretty interesting viewpoint of being gone for a large part of hashtag 2020. Um, so it'll be great to hear from him. And he has some great advice uh, for midshipmen out there as they are approaching the second half of the year and the dark ages. Uh, we will talk about what we hope are very lighter times in the new year uh, with Ward and WAGs in the close. But for now, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, Chris Cassidy will join us. This is Sing Second Sports. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. 
If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back at Sing Second Sports uh, for our uh, alumni segment here on our end of year podcast. Uh, we are very happy to be joined by Captain Chris Cassidy. Uh, Captain Cassidy is a 1993 graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy. He was selected as an astronaut by NASA in 2004 and has been in space twice. Before that, a very successful 11-year member of the U.S. Navy SEALs. Uh, including four deployments, two in Afghanistan and two to the Mediterranean. Uh, So happy to be joined by Captain Cassidy from Florida, a lot warmer than Annapolis and Washington, D.C. today. Captain, how are you? Oh, good morning. Great to be with you guys. Always good to talk Navy folks. I'll ask the first one before I kick it over to Ward, who is our resident uh, space expert. Um, you know, we, we talk all year, you know, we're, we're wrapping up what we think is a, is a great year discussing the totality of the physical mission at the Naval Academy. Um, can, can you kind of give us an, an idea of where athletics was for you as you came to the Naval Academy, what you participated in at the Naval Academy, and what the physical mission meant to you? Athletics was in the core of my DNA right from the beginning. I always, I, I always remember having a ball of some sort in my hand, basketball, football, tennis ball, whatever, when I was a kid. I played football and basketball and baseball in high school. And then at Navy Prep, I played, uh, played basketball and just loved every minute of it. When I got to the Naval Academy, I was just from a small town school in Maine. I realized that everybody was the varsity captain in high school. And so intramurals, I found to be just as competitive as varsity sports back when you're back in the back on the block. And, uh, and so I just had a fantastic time playing intramural sports all, all, all year long. And, and the competition, the teamwork, the camaraderie, as you guys know, you're, you're with your company. And then when you start, when you win a few games as a company, no matter what intramural game it is, it just really brings that enthusiasm into the company halls and, uh, and just makes for a great positive energy. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So uh, although John billed me as a space expert, I'm just a humble country Tomcat backseater. Uh, everything I know about the space program was was either told to me or shown to me by a guy who shares sort of your pedigree, uh, Bill Shepard. Oh, yeah. Who, uh, it, when I was the editor of Approach Magazine, Shep and I became great friends, and he had me come to Houston and uh, do a week-long tour of the space center there, and then uh, including simulators and demos and put on the suit and uh, your space shuttle era. And then I also went to El Paso to fly the shuttle training aircraft um, with Frank Culbertson when he was going through his training, uh, who was a Tomcat guy that I knew when we were both going through the rag. Um, so um, what I, before we get to the space piece, I want to do the hooyah piece because your pedigree or your bio in terms of Navy sealdom is uh it should not be just glossed over, you know, bronze star winner, been there, done that combat kind of guy. So what about the SEALs when you were a mid appealed to you? Yeah, great question. Again, this was an era in the, when I got to the academy as in the 89 as a plebe, 
there were not books on every single shelf in Barnes and Noble. I don't even know if we had Barnes and Noble. Yeah, I think we did, but you you couldn't find a lot on on seals. It wasn't in the news. It there you know the internet wasn't such a thing, and uh, and so I didn't know about the Navy SEAL teams at all coming out of high school. And when I showed up um, a little bit in Newport when I was a uh, uh, NAPS, but more so when I got onto the academy grounds, I saw a few people with this gigantic metal thing on their chest and i was intrigued what the heck is that what warfare specialty did they do learned a little bit about seals what it meant i became intrigued if i had what it takes to follow through with all that uh and then the more i learned the more i was excited and and continued on with the prerequisites to to service select seals i just was excited about the mission you know the adrenaline of jumping out of planes and carrying backpacks and swim, swimming underwater and the whole thing. Just, I thought it was fun. And uh, I didn't see myself as a Marine, but that whole kind of hoo as you say, the hoo piece of it appealed to me. So we have a lot of midshipmen who listen to the show. And uh, what would you say to them in terms of what it takes, particularly getting through BUDS? And then we can talk about the, the ops piece after that. Yeah, getting through buds is not something you do by yourself. And when you're when you're young, twenty whatever year old, you think that you need to get through it by yourself. But there's there's comes a time when the instructors or the weather or the evolution brings you to the point where you need assistance from a friend and your swim buddy or your boat crewmate. And and the sooner you accept that the better off you're going to be. And, and because it goes both ways, there's also a time when the person right next to you, it needs a little bit of energy boost from you or somebody else. And you might as well step in and be that person. So I, I, I remember vivid, a few vivid examples of that when, when I needed it and I delivered it. And uh, that's the biggest thing. I mean, everybody can, can be trained to do a bunch of pull-ups and push-ups and all that stuff. But in your gut, in your head, that is all on you. And uh, accepting that you're not superhuman is is step one. So on the ops side, I see from your bio that you were stationed on both coasts, on the teams on both coasts. And what jumps out at me among your combat ops is also you were a sealed delivery vehicle guy. Classmate of mine worked at Northrop Grumman on that program. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because you logged a whole bunch of underwater time in the submersible. What's what's that all about? Yeah, my first four years in the SEAL teams, I was a uh, SDV, SEAL delivery vehicle operator. And we have a we have a saying right over the quarterback at SDV team is, are you an SDV or just a SEAL? And that's what I liked. That's what I liked about it. It was uh well, a couple things. It was a super challenging mission. Like once you submerged, uh, it was you and your buddy against the elements and figuring things out. You didn't you didn't want to surface. You didn't surface, and you're dealing with tides and currents and just a problem solving underwater, which was unlike anything else I did in the, in uh, in the teams. In hindsight, because on land. Nowadays, with comms the way it is, you're always tied back to some higher headquarters and you can get permission to do things. And for each phase of the mission, you check in. But underwater, you get the go when you submerge and eight hours later, you come up and you 
you know, COVID could have happened in those eight hours and you wouldn't even know it. Uh, it's just you guys solving your mission. That's what I loved about it. Um, it was hard too. I mean, you're underwater, you're cold. It's for those that don't aren't familiar with an SCV, it's about a 22 foot long vehicle. It's flooded, a flooded submersible, not like a submarine where you're just wearing your, your normal street clothes and you're dry. This thing is the water inside the vehicle moves with you. Just kind of like if you're in a car and you're driving down the highway, you roll your window down, you stick your hand out, you can feel that wind blowing by. Same thing in an SUV. If you crack the door open while you're driving, you can feel the water moving past your hand. But around you, it's just still water. And we're, so we're diving inside the vehicle. We were able to talk to each other with uh, communication, but, but not outside, not to the outside world. Are, are the teams still using the SDV? Is that still a, a thing? We are. We're, we're just fielding a brand new one. In fact, I'm talking to you from Fort Pierce, Florida, which is where the Navy SEAL Museum is. I've been here for a few days uh, with my friends at the museum, and they have an SDV that I drove that's in the museum. And I pointed that out to my wife, and, and as I was doing it, I realized, wow, that's kind of weird when the, you know, probably like the Tomcat you flew in on the sticks outside of Oceania. I was going to say, I was going to say that's exactly right. That was something for me to see, but they're, they're fielding, fielding brand new ones. Like the next generation is, is hitting the operational units right now. And it's a great capability that I don't think we'll ever give up. So, so does that give you some trash talk with your fellow astronaut, Caleb Barron, you know, that, Hey, this is what, you know, real submarining is about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I assume that there's a friendly there's a friendly rivalry there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I spent many hours, many uh, weeks, probably months on on regular submarines because because that's one of our insertion way, ways of an SDV is to lock it out of a of a hangar from a full size sub. So I have good appreciation for what those guys do as well. But it's always a little harder when you're cold and wet. Um, on the combat side. And we mentioned that you won a bronze star. You were a recipient of the bronze star. Um, what are the main things you think about when when that comes to mind? What what and and what were you prepared for the challenges you faced in combat, or were there some things that you just had to do on the spot? You know, it's an interesting concept, prepared for something. And I've thought a lot about this uh, now in the later stages of my career, because at each step, you the previous your the accumulation of your previous experiences make you prepared for what you're about to step into. Like right, right when you graduate, you're prepared to be an aviation uh, student. In your case, uh, I was prepared to be a guy at Buds, and then each step along the way, I learned more, accumulated more knowledge. So by the time I stepped off the helicopter into a combat zone in Afghanistan, I didn't know it, but I was armed with the the technical skills and leadership skills, you know, we all slept through leadership classes in loose hall and you think this is the most boring thing ever. Um, but you're you, even, even when you're thinking that you're still soaking up those leadership lessons. And then in your first few years in the fleet, the practical side of it. And so I was, I was ready. And I, I, the biggest thing that I realized as I was going through those operational combat uh, missions was my job as a SEAL team junior officer was not to shoot straight bullets in a tight group or run fast or uh, anything really other than lead. 
and I realized um, that the Navy, the reason I was getting a paycheck that day, those days in the field, was to be a leader, to bring, make solid decisions, bring the troops home safely, execute the mission, and uh, balance risk versus mission success in the field and that was my job i didn't even need to bring a gun you know of course you do but in a sense you don't need a gun you need your head and you need the skills that you the, the military has taught you to that point and it wasn't until i was a little bit older did i realize that so let's talk about the pivot to the space program so your education supports the idea that you would make that pivot you know you're a math major at the academy and you have a master's in ocean engineering from MIT. But what was it that made you go from being this operator, a SEAL, snake eater, into NASA? Well, you mentioned Bill Shepard, and, and he is my crossroads to NASA as well. I was moving, PCS moving with my family from the East Coast to San Diego, and we took the southern route on I-10 and stopped in Houston, and Shep was the same gracious host for me, not not a week, and I didn't go to El Paso and fly the STA, but hung out with him. I got a little tour of the Space Center, had a beer or two. Did you go to the outpost? We didn't go to the outpost. We, we went to Boondoggles. Oh. Um, you know, the outpost burned down. You know yeah, and they tore it down. It's it's right yeah. now. It's uh, just a patch of grass, <laughs> which is a shame. Yeah, it's yeah. a shame. Uh, for the folks listening, the outpost is like a famous, famous astronaut watering hole that uh, existed for a long, long time. It's no longer there. But uh, so Shep, when I'm meeting Shep, this was what kind of turned me on to the the possibility that I could become an astronaut. And I really felt like I was in a pretty good position because I loved my job in the SEAL teams. But I knew that I would love uh, an opportunity to fly in space too. So I I felt little pressure applying. Of course, I wanted to be selected. But I, I was it wasn't like, oh, my God, my my life's coming to an end if I don't get picked up as an astronaut, because I just really loved my time in the teams. I want to go back to um, the physical mission uh, at, at the academy. I mean, um, you know, those are, uh, you know, going through buds, being a SEAL in combat. Uh, now becoming an astronaut and being successful as an astronaut. I mean, that is immense mental and physical pressure. And as you said, each experience prepares you for the next. But did you find or do you find that you draw back on your time at the academy? Um, and, you know, wh what are the little things that you still carry with you? Yeah, good question. The little things I still carry with me probably are... Like I had the teamwork aspect of of your core group of folks typically is your company. I think if if uh, sports teams probably football team probably has that whatever team you're on, you 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 can replicate the same as the the tightness with your company mates. Um, but I had a little bit of that in high school sports, but not to the same level of tightness and and uh, really feeling desire to not let your teammates company mates down uh i remember that sense kind of very very strongly in with my company mates and company sports and and uh just in general everything about company life right like inspections and 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 so it's this sense of being a teammate being a good a good uh shipmate being a good company mate 
and pulling your weight. And that was then reinforced when I got to Bud's and just do your job. You know, I'm a New England Patriots fan and Bill Belichick is famous for saying, just do your job. And uh, I couldn't agree with that more. You know, you, you just, all you do is do everything you can that's in your control and, if, and trust that the guy and gal next to you on, on either side is doing the same and the best outcome will happen. How much did you draw upon, you know, the, the physical mission uh, tenets that, that allowed you to get through BUDS, that allowed you to get through the Naval Academy? Uh, when you went on your last mission, you spent um, 196 days in space. Um, I, I think I read that it's about 3,100 orbits around the Earth or, or <laughs> you know, full orbits, you know, after 196 days in space, can you explain what the rigors of that were like? Well, it's, it's a lot like ship life, you know, it's a, it's a deployment uh, with no ship, with no port calls um, and no ability to, to see the sun. Like we get no sun, which sounds funny, right? You're in space. You think, Oh, you're closer to it. You get all the sun you want. But, um, you're, you're cooped up inside this uh, small school bus sized thing. Uh, we do have exercise equipment up there. We have a, a bicycle, a treadmill, and a weight machine. And people will say, what the heck? You got a weight machine? It's, it's weightless. How do you have a weight machine? It's actually a metal cylinder. Crank the piston up and down. And the end of the cylinder is connected to a bar. And so we can configure the bar for lots of different exercises. It works really well. So muscle-wise, muscularly, I came back strong, probably stronger than I, than I left Earth. But all those little muscles, muscles in your core and your balance aren't used to working together. So that's the, the big physical thing when you come back is uh, we spend a lot of time. The whole first month is, uh, is just re reconditioning to get your balance and equilibrium uh, all squared away again, but muscularly, I was I was I was pretty fit after um, six months of weightlifting up in space. Chris, you know, you mentioned the the lifting machine, uh, and I'm reminded that another thing I did when I was visiting Shep is fly the Vomit Comet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the 707 with Ace, the late great Ace Beal as the as the pilot, um, and so you do 40 parabolas. And what they were testing back in the padded cabin was that gear and this was 1990 um and and so um i got to try that out during the parabolas um and and like you said it's it gives resistance in a way that doesn't depend on gravity um so i was just reminded of that when you were yeah. talking about that it works pretty well and and the vomit comet like you said it was not is not something we just do to to make people sick it's actually where we test out equipment that is now on the space station now we have the space station to additionally test out things for the moon and mars but initially in the 90s when we were building the space station you rode on the test bed my friend so I'll ask my, my last couple of questions, you left on uh, Expedition 63 kind of right as, uh, I mean, COVID had taken hold, um, but I imagine being in space during the entirety of what people are now calling hashtag 2020 during a pretty like volatile year, did you feel kind of disconnected or were you still tracking pretty closely 
current events at, at home or is being up there for 196 days kind of all encompassing? It's all encompassing, but we definitely keep track um, uh, with friends and family. We have the ability to, to make phone calls up there. We can't receive phone calls. And then once a week, we have a family conference. So I was into what was going on in the world. Ironically, I, I, I stepped out of my house in Houston, Texas, and the, in the end of February, middle of February, and flew over to, to Moscow. And so, so I left America before COVID uh, really arrived. I mean, I think they were talking about it on the channels or whatever, but it, it, it wasn't really a thing. And, uh, and I spent a month in Moscow prior to launch. And during that month is when the airports were all shutting down and, and the world was kind of caving in. And, um, all my launch guests that were supposed to come over to Kazakhstan and watch me launch, none of them could come. And uh, it was sort of surreal on launch day. It's just my two Russian crewmates, like the bus driver and some technicians on the launch pad. And it was a weird launch the, um, in terms of what I was used to. Uh, and then the whole, like you said, the whole following six months when everything was really kind of come came to a head with covid we were in space and i i never had to uh wear a mask until i returned to earth i didn't even you know it wasn't it wasn't all the things you guys already know i'm just learning at, in the last month from being home so as we come out um you you've been home now for a bit you you got back in late october you know number one what is next for you with the program and number two how, how good did it make you feel as they announced the the next iteration the artemis you know missions to the moon that uh nicole and kayla were on that list representing the naval academy can you can you walk us through kind of what your immediate future is and how that made you feel to see them announced with that team i need to decide what my immediate future is i mean nasa doesn't boot us out uh, i am active duty uh navy still I'm, I'm at the 27 and a half year mark so i could stay in the navy a little bit longer we also can can convert over to a government civil servant and remain as a, as an active nasa astronaut it's exciting time right now because not only are we bringing spacex and and soon boeing online to get to the space station but as you just alluded to we've got uh the moon on our horizons and uh, whether it's going to be in 2024 i think that's probably a little aggressive timeline or a little bit later but nonetheless somebody that i work with right now they don't know it i don't know who they are but somebody that i work with right now is going to walk on the moon again and uh, that's pretty damn cool i hope it's uh one of our fellow alumni kayla or or nicole and i think there's quite possibly that one of those two will be either the first female or part of the first crew to to step foot on the moon and that's just super cool i've flown in space three times i'm 50 years old i've been in nasa for 16 years so i'm on the tail end of my astronaut career uh so i i didn't expect or, or don't think that I have the longevity to stick around for moon missions, but I, um, I'll be the number one fan of, uh, of Kayla and Nicole. That's for sure. Well, uh, Captain Cassidy, good luck, you know, going forward and, and whatever decision you make, you know, you, you've represented the Naval Academy, uh, and the Navy, um, so well, um, as, as we say goodbye to you and, and wish you good luck and happy holidays for those midshipmen, as Ward alluded to a lot of whom, uh, listen to the pod, what, what advice would you give to them? They are on the cusp of a dark ages unlike any other. Um, you know, so you know, what, what advice would you give them as we go out? Just keep making your free throws, you know, and, and the, do the little things that gets you through. And eventually 
eventually we'll pop out the other side. And I talked to the 2020 class. I remember I, I last, uh, I, I gave a graduation announcement for those and real, realized, um, wow, what a, what an awkward and weird time it is for midshipmen right now. All the experiences that, um, all of us here talking understood, uh, those guys are having to create their own path, but, but just like plebe summer. And if you remember back to plebe summer, you, you have, so many fun memories when you talk about it in hindsight and i think that will be the case for these these uh folks and that's the one advice i'm it it doesn't seem like they're fun memories right now but when you come back for your five your 10 your 15 your 30 year reunion they're going to be the funniest stories you ever heard so just keep making layups keep making your free throws block and tackle and uh you'll get through it well, uh, Chris Cervello, our intrepid producer, always uh, puts a, a name on each uh, on each episode. I think we just got our name uh, for this one, which is "Make Your Free Throws." Uh, yep. Ward, uh, anything anything to add before we go out? No, just uh, welcome home, Captain, and uh, look us up if you ever come through Annapolis. Um, hey, we'd thanks love a lot. To sit down with a, uh, over a beer with it. If I leave Houston, Annapolis is a place that my wife and I are talking about it, it, at least uh, renting a house for the, a year to see if we want to settle down there. So it, it's very possible I, I could be in town in the next uh, couple months. So we'll, well let we'd you love know. to have you guys love to have you guys in the area. Yeah, uh, awesome. that would be your Sherpa to uh, Annapolis base camp. That's for sure. <laughs> and if, you, if you decide to give up that astronaut thing and, you know, want to co-host this podcast with us you know let, let us know that's it, it seems, like the, natural, complete. seems like the natural exactly. uh, progression you you got the chops <laughs> you know <laughs> ward is our resident sam shepherd from the uh from uh, i think a movie we probably all love the right stuff uh i'll i'll go out as uh i'll go out as scott one playing alan shepherd um, and say uh, thank you so much, uh, Captain Cassidy, for joining us. And, and again, we look forward to hosting you here in Annapolis and look forward to having you on the pod again. All right, fellas. Take care. All right. That was Captain Chris Cassidy, class of 93. Awesome advice for the class of 2020 and beyond. We're going to go to break. When we come back, uh, Ward, Wags, Chris, and I will take us out of 2020. Good riddance. This is Sync Second Sports. Stick around. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available. Hey, hey, hey! Uh, so, what we're gonna do? We we wanted to uh, we wanted to kind of recap where we've been and talk about where we're going. Uh, not only as a podcast, but as Naval Academy Sports, um, as this is a podcast about Naval Academy Sports for Naval Academy Sports fans. So when we started this, we started this during a pandemic. Um, didn't really know how it was going to go. You sort of need sports to talk about in order to have a sports podcast. But yet here we are. We had a very interesting sports year. Um, I would call it, you know, the year of the asterisk, as I've said many, many times before, as well as saying the year of the new normal. Um, so I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm incredibly happy with what we've done, how we've covered Naval Academy sports. And again, I'm incredibly uh, thankful to the sports information staff for making 
uh, athletes, coaches, staff, and everyone available to us. I'll kick it over to Ward Carroll. What, what is your kind of 2020 in the rearview mirror uh, retrospective on, on the pod and, and how it's been for the Naval Academy altogether? Well, with respect to the pod, I second what you just said. For me, what has been very rewarding are the conversations we've had, particularly with midshipmen and with the coaches. It's been uh, raised my spirits to hear their attitudes and their approach to their responsibilities and their existence in the pandemic. So that's been the highlight for me. And then, as you said, when we were chatting about this almost a year ago, or when you guys were chatting with me about joining the team um, almost a year ago, we had no idea the pandemic was about to hit. And once it hit, we had no idea what we'd be able to sort of stitch together to create the podcast. And so I'm proud of us, if I'm, if I may say that, and the impact we've had and, and what we've been able to do. And just if you think about us being able to go to games on the yard of all sports, then you unlock the full power of Sing Second. So I'm excited about the future. Um, I, I'm also very uh, proud of my association with Bill Wagner, a guy I only knew in passing before this team was created. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the future. Yeah. I look back on that, on these days fondly of you, me and Chris Cervello having a beer at McGarvey's before we knew that having beers at McGarvey's would be so effing hard, you know, like here we are, we're on the cusp of Annapolis restaurants closing down again. It was going to be yesterday, but now after a court injunction uh, from Judge Ripken, Cal's wife, thank you, uh, Laura. Um, yeah, the, those restaurants will now close uh, on the 28th of December. But I remember that day vividly. I remember the day that Bill Wagner um, you know, reached out to me and I reached back out to Bill about, you know, him being a special guest, you know, and, and offering his perspective and that his abilities as a sports writer could be more enhanced, you know, by, by getting the word out there in the podcast scene about how talented and, and, and read in he is. It's, it's for me an absolute joy. Wags, how about, how about you? Well, it's been a ton of fun, and I've enjoyed our weekly podcasts. And what I've been heartened by is the listenership. Uh, clearly, the Sing Second Sports podcast is filling a void that was there. First of all, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you I did not understand the massive popularity of podcasts. I'm not a guy that listens to podcasts. Frankly, I don't have time. I'm pounding away on the typewriter or working the phones trying to get stories and I don't have time to listen to podcasts, but I, I was clueless as to the massive popularity of podcasts and how they're the kind of sweeping the nation as the thing. And uh, the Navy athletics certainly needed a podcast and we filled that void. And it seems as though the Navy athletics fans have uh, embraced it. And that's very heartening. I think we can only go forward from here. So for all of you midshipmen out there who listen to the podcast, when Bill Wagner says typewriter, uh, that's that thing that uh, Jim Lovell flew uh, up to, into space uh, for Apollo 13 um, as, as Wags is dating himself. But, but yeah, here, here to that. And, and I'll use this as an opportunity. It's not necessarily a, a, a good segue, but 
you know, this, this whole thing started with uh, Chris Cervello um, having an idea about filling a void in terms of information and also having something for us to do for fun. I, I'll tell you what, Chris, for all the work you've done um, and the editing and the watching of the metrics, uh, what, what's your evaluation? Number one, thank you. Um, number two, what's your evaluation for how the listenership has grown and, and why this is so popular? Let me start with your last question first. I mean, I think it's popular because the Naval Academy and the Naval Academy Athletic Association, and probably most importantly, uh, the current and former athletes have a great story to tell. Um, it's what grabs us when we are at the academy. It's what grabs us when we live in and around the academy. Um, and so to have the opportunity to be a part of that storytelling, to enhance what the people in the sports information department already do to enhance what people like WAGs and uh, others in the media do, um, you know, I think I, I can speak for you and Ward it is a real honor. Um, and, and so um, I think because of the popularity of those stories, because of the enthusiasm that you and Ward bring to the podcast, um, you know, that's a reason that we've been, I hate to use the word successful, but I think it's the reason that we remain on Gladslope. Um, you know, both on in, in terms of uh, the type of stories that we tell and in the reach. And so to that first question, um, our audience continues to grow. I mean, we are in the uh, almost uh, up to 10,000 unique listeners. Um, so that, that means that, you know, 10,000 different people have, have listened. Uh, we've got a regular audience of about 6,500, which means, you know, the same people tend to listen week in and week out. And we're pretty happy with that. And so uh, I think as we look to 2021, it's to, um, you know, as things open up to continue to be able to tell those stories and look for different ways across uh, the podcast and across other media venues um, as a way of telling those stories. So that sound you heard was Ward's, you know, exclamation of glee uh, that Chris used hashtag glide slope aviation term. Um, but in, in all seriousness, we, we all bust each other's stones. Um, you know, we all appreciate the perspectives and careers that we've led that gives us the ability to talk about this, read into it, discuss it. And, and as a reminder, you know, ideas and, and postulations and discussions on here are, are really no different, not to denigrate our, our own product, but they're really no different than what you know, Skip Bayless and, and Shannon Sharp are doing on Fox or, or what, um, you know, Dan Lebitard and Mina Kimes and all those guys are doing on ESPN. You know, our discussions are merely discussions. And, and so here's a reminder that, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not speaking on behalf of NAAA, but we love to talk about Navy sports. Um, so, again, thank you very much to them. Uh, for all the support that they've given in 2020, and here's to 2021. So on that note, with 2021 knocking at the door, um, you know, Wags, I'll throw it over to you. What are you keeping an eye on other than Mike Oresco basically telling the, uh, the football playoff committee, the, the 13 esteemed members of great ignorance, uh, what what is your take on on what 2021 is going to look like sports wise and naval academy sports wise wow that's a big and difficult question uh well first of all i agree entirely with mike oresco's comments made on the paul feinbaum show yesterday that this uh college football playoff committee is 
ridiculous. And this is a rigged system, and they are making damn sure that there's not ever a chance that a group of five uh, program can get into the playoff. And this is just going to cause more calls for an 18 playoff, which gives more access because I think Coastal Carolina, BYU, and Cincinnati are all pretty legit this year. Um, and just uh, we have seen it's been blatant when you know, Ohio State's played only five games all season, and they've only played once since November 21st, and they have not budged an inch in the poll, whereas Cincinnati's being penalized and dropped for the fact they have had a couple games canceled due to COVID. It's ridiculous. It's such a double standard. Um, I'll stick with Navy sports, John. I don't want to try to get into the sports writ large. That's too big of a picture. Uh, Here's what I'm looking at immediately for Navy sports. Basketball. I think Navy men's basketball is really good this year. I think this is the best team Ed DeCellis has ever had. It's very experienced. It's talented. I hope that somehow, some way, they're able to get through a Patriot League season and hold a Patriot League tournament because I think this is the first Navy men's basketball team I've seen in a while that has the ability to win a Patriot League championship. Um, looking forward to getting to know Kerry Colad with ref- wrestling. We reported that Navy actually has a wrestling match scheduled January 3rd, and uh, so the Kerry Colad era will begin and I'm looking forward to getting to know him a little bit better because he's a legend in the sport of wrestling. I am excited about lacrosse season, which is where this all started in March with men's and women's lacrosse seasons being upended and uh, canceled out of the blue. I mean, it was all over in a heartbeat. And I'm looking forward to seeing Joe Amplo's Navy men's lacrosse team and Cindy Timshaw's Navy women's lacrosse team do good things this season. Uh, it's almost like a do-over. We were in the middle of lacrosse season last year, and it was just over in a flash. So I'm looking forward to having a full lacrosse season. Um, and that's then football. Navy needs to get things turned around. And barring Kenya Matalolo going to Arizona, as the rumors are flying that he's a leading candidate to go to Arizona, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I do know that he met with Chuck Gladchuck for over an hour this week and seemed all in on Navy and was very determined to get this program back on track after a disappointing three and seven season. So football wise, I'm looking forward to Navy having a turnaround similar as it did in 2019 when it rebounded from a two and 10 season and went 11 and two. So that's, that's on my radar for Navy sports. And I'm sorry to leave out some of the other Olympic sports, but I could be all day talking about all the sports, but those, those are kind of the highlights, John. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll give Ward um, the final word of the 2020 uh, year end podcast. I'll jump in right now and say, I am definitely looking forward to more uh, Tim Taylor coached uh, Navy women's basketball. I'm looking forward to talking to Ashley Pelzik more. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting many more tweets and many more, Words of encouragement uh, from number one fan, Gina Levitai, uh, Ty Levitai's mom uh, down in Florida. I, I am looking forward to the day when all of us can get together and have a beer again. Um, that is for sure. And, and then finally, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Niamat staying at the program, uh, being the face of Naval Academy sports and football 
forevermore. Um, I, I think that's important. I, I just think that he is a man of character and consequence to steal a line from Slapshot Carter. Um, you know, he, he is exactly what the Naval Academy needs. Um, and so to all the Naval Academy midshipmen out there, from me um, and the alumni and the supporters of the podcast, thank you for what you've done. Ward, over to you for what you're looking at um, other than, you know, can you promise us that maybe you'll start off a pod in the new year by playing Judas Priest on your guitar? The, my guitar is always just uh, arm's length away. I'm, I'm always up for that. I think the, <laughs> if you were to label the show with one word, and by the show, I don't just mean us. I mean, the themes we've covered, the guests we've had, it's resilience. And so we, constantly talk about the physical mission. We constantly talk about the destination of the athletes in terms of their fleet professions. And what the casual listener should take away is the nation is well served by what the Naval Academy does outside of the sports field. And we saw that this year, resilience. Warden, thank you so much. And particularly when we needed brevity, you provide it, but it's also poetry. Thank you to the three of you for being uh, teammates uh, during this very difficult year. It was difficult personally. It was difficult professionally. It was difficult as a sportsman. And I think there's still some difficulty ahead. But if we uh, if we all band together and if we're kind and if we're nice, I think 2021 is going to be fantastic. So. I can guarantee you this, uh, when you come back into the new year, uh, right around the second week of January, Sing Second Sports will be there for you. Hopefully we can report on a bunch of wins for wrestling, for men's basketball, and for women's basketball. And hopefully we can report on life getting back to normal. From Chris Cervello, Ward Carroll, Bill Wagner, and myself, to everyone, have a great holiday season. Have a very happy new year, and we will see you in 2021. This is Sing Second Sports. We are oot. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.